My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Musicians, exalting the name of the Lord, I'm just thrilled, ecstatic about what I feel in the Holy Ghost this morning. So wonderful to be back in this great church. We greet you in the name of the Lord. It's always a privilege, always an honor. And the great host of people here today represent the wonderful legacy and the great, powerful leadership that you have here. And we honor the Kinsey family, Pastor Kinsey, all the Kinseys, the Strobels, Brother Stafford, all the wonderful people that labor in this place for the kingdom of God. I recognize that you're standing, and so we will go directly to the word of the Lord. We will look at Isaiah chapter 38 this morning, Isaiah chapter 38. So thankful to have my dear, wonderful wife with me here on the front row, and um, very thankful for her walk with God, a woman of prayer and of faith. Isaiah chapter 38. You have Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 1. Say amen. amen. And in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how that I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is right in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord unto Isaiah, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, The God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thee, thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which is gone down in the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees by which degrees it was gone down. Father, Strengthen your people. In this moment, God, allow people to be loosed from the bondage of destruction. God, we speak and believe now that you will fill people with the Holy Ghost this morning. God, that your will will be done. God, that hearts will be strengthened, that bodies will be healed, that deliverance will finally come to the captives. And we pray, we rebuke all spirits of doubt and unbelief. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everyone say amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you for standing to honor the word of the Lord with us.
preaching this morning from Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 1. Isaiah turns to Hezekiah and says, Set thine house in order. And um, this morning, I want to do my best to follow the leading of Isaiah. Proclaim the word of the Lord. Set your house in order. Look at your neighbor and say, Set your house in order. Now, if you're anything like us, sometimes that can be a struggle. My wife is here and uh, is among the greatest housekeepers that there are, most diligent. But we have three boys, two of them teenagers. And sometimes we are afraid to go into their rooms. <laughs> but I'm remembering just about a year ago when we were living in a particular home and we had decided to sell that home. And we put it on the real estate market in our area. And we were excited to have some prospects to possibly purchase our home, but I was taken back when I started receiving those automated phone calls at least once a week. And the phone call would come in and say, we would like to show your home at approximately 10.30 in the morning. Press 1 if you agree and press 2 if you disagree. And you can understand for a couple that would like to sell their home, you hate, to, you hate to say, I'm not willing to show you my home. But when it's in the afternoon at 3 or 4 p.m., and you think to yourself, I've got a split-second decision. Am I going to allow the inspection in the morning by a potential buyer, or am I going to say, no, it's a hard decision? But inevitably, we would always say, yes, please come. We would love to have you come and see our home, trying to put our best foot forward, trying to make the best impression so that we could potentially sell our home. But I can tell you, when you receive that call at 4 p.m., you might think that everything's all right at home. And in your mind, you may feel like we've got a pretty nice place and everything's well put together. But when you drive up in the driveway and the reality hits you, I haven't had time to mow the yard in at least two weeks. There's nothing wrong with waist-high grass, is there, Pastor? And for the past month or so, every time we've mentioned to the boys to clean their room, it's just shovel it under the bed, push it in the closet until the doors won't close. Now, I remember one particular afternoon that I informed my wife that I had pushed the corresponding number on the phone and agreed to allow some potential people to come. We went into that panic mode and began to try and straighten things up. But I can tell you, 
my wife has a level of understanding of cleaning that's far beyond what I know. I mean, I can clean any house in about 30 minutes. So I laid down to rest that evening and, of course, fell asleep as she still worked into the night. I woke in the morning to hear her bustling in the house and said, you must have gotten up early to make sure everything was all right. <laughs> Only to find out she had worked through the night. And when she begins on a purpose, it's not just surface cleaning, but it's organizing every sock drawer. Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's reorganizing the pantry. And so, to put it in a spiritual sense, sometimes we just do the little surface cleaning, but there's a parallel in the scripture, and I want to say it like this. You know, it's all right once in a while to go to a little e extra effort to make sure everything's all right. You know, there's still something called an all-night prayer meeting. I know it's not popular, but hey, you know what? If your soul gets to the place where you're so distressed, uh, it's all right to, to carry on through the night and say, God, I've got to make sure that everything's all right. Uh, I'm feeling disorderly. I'm feeling uh, disheveled. I, I need something. Uh, I need something to be worked out in my heart, in my spirit, in my... Oh, hallelujah. Come on. There's something beyond just two or three minutes of now I lay me down to sleep. But there's an utterance that cannot be understood. There's a travail. There's a labor in the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise God. Come on and clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about this morning. Come on. We came to set our house in order. As a matter of fact, it's a very difficult thing. We've been traveling for a long time, and so we actually know precisely what it takes. We try not to leave our home disorderly, if at all possible. And so, on Saturday, if we know we have a trip, my wife knows precisely, with three boys, four counting me, my wife knows precisely that it takes six to eight hours to prepare all of their clothing, to pack, to make sure the home is ready before she's willing to leave. If the boys are not with us, it still takes three to four hours. Make sure all of their laundry is together. Make sure everything's all right. Make sure that when we pull back up to the house, it's presentable. And I appreciate that so much. But it's, it takes more than you realize. Even if you've got help, even if there's someone to help. There are some things that only you can do. You can hire a maid. You can uh, have a family member help you. You can have people, but there's certain things that only you know where they go. Only you know what to do with them. And I can tell you this morning, I came to preach my heart, my soul to you today and to pour it out and say, set your house in order. Make sure everything's all right with the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I thought about Hezekiah. The Bible actually gives many accolades to Hezekiah. He's commended on many fronts. During this time, the king of Assyria had encamped against the people of God 
began to send threatening letters. Hezekiah begins to petition the Lord. Not only is he sick and dying, but also the enemy is at the, at, at, at the doorstep. And Hezekiah says, Lord, what can I do? And I can tell you it was not the word that he really wanted to hear. When Isaiah showed up and began to speak what thus saith the Lord, it was not that everything's going to be jolly in the morning. It's not that just remain as you are and everything's going to be all right. But there was a direct word from God. And he said, set your house in order because you will die and not live. Now, usually there's a line for the prophetic utterance. Usually there are people reaching out for the word of the Lord. But I can tell you, every word from God is not simply uh, uh, acceptable in your ears. But sometimes God says a hard saying. And sometimes he said, set your house in order. I thought about it for a moment. I said, God, this is Hezekiah, one of the few kings in the Old Testament that was uh, commended by the scripture. Uh, he began at 25 years of age. And he reigned for 29 years. And of the 19 kings of Judah, only eight of them were were good and this man was considered exceptional even among the good kings second kings 18 and 5 says there was no king like him before him or after him for after his father a wicked king there was much to be done and hezekiah immediately began to destroy the pagan temples and the altars and the idols he reopened the temples that had been locked by his father. He reinstated the priesthood, and the Passover was now honored as a national holiday again. Under Hezekiah, there was revival happening in the land. Good things were happening, and yet I still see a strong word from God coming to this man and saying, set your house in order, insinuating that there were some things that were out of order. And I can tell you this morning, if God is willing to speak to someone such as Hezekiah, who had done many great works, I feel like he's speaking into our ears saying, don't think that you're above the word of the Lord. Don't think that you're so great. Don't think that you're... Come on, you might be an upstanding citizen in Pensacola, Florida, but I'm asking you, how do you stand in the eyes of God? I'm saying this morning, set your house in order, hear the word of God, and respond accordingly. I like to think about it. The Bible says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. There's something all too familiar about that. When you really get serious with God, it's not about the crowd, but it's sometimes a private place. And even sometimes in the midst of a large crowd, you can find a private place. There are people all around you, but I'm turning my face to the wall. I know that no one else can help me in this moment. I've heard what God said. No one else is going to help me clean up this mess. But I have to turn my face to the wall, and I have to seek God desperately. It goes on to say that he wept sorely. 
Now, I don't know what you had in mind coming to the Lord. I know you're like Naaman in the Old Testament, uh, and you're of uh, uh, some great status, and you think that it's all going to be pretty when you come to the Lord. But just let me remind you, when I came to the Lord as a 15-year-old boy, I can remember weeping and sobbing until my eyes could not cry any longer because real repentance, conviction had gripped my heart. It did not matter who was looking at me. It did not matter which friends were mocking me but when I got ready to touch God nothing else mattered and like Hezekiah I began to weep sorely in the presence of the Lord come on now say well I just don't believe men ought to weep come on the strongest men that I know will shed a tear in the presence of their maker come on now it's weak men that put on a front it's weak men that act like they're macho come on now I'm talking to real men right now you're willing to weep sorely in the presence of God come on that's what repentance is all about That's what it's all about. But what I like about Hezekiah, the Lord answered his prayer. Right here in the midst of the Old Testament, we have another beautiful example of God's healing nature. And the Bible says that because he sought the Lord and because he began in his heart to turn things around, whatever it was that was out of order, I'm not sure. Only God knows. But whatever it was, it made a difference in his prayers. And now God answered his prayers and said, I am going to extend your life 15 years. And furthermore, I'm going to give you a wonderful sign that I'm going to do it. And the Bible says that the sundial turned backward and time stood still and literally reversed all to prove to Hezekiah that God had acted on his behalf and he said you don't worry about the enemy now that I've heard your prayers I'm going to deliver you from your enemy and I'm going to heal your body I'm going to give you an extension on your life come on I like what God said I like what God did and it reminds me of that name and the leper that came to the Lord and said, Elisha, what can I do? I've got all the money you need. I've got all this apparel. I've got all of this luggage. And these are gifts for you if you will heal my body. And Elisha says, go on out there and dip in the Jordan River. Dip in that muddy river. And he went away sorrowful because he said, I just was not willing to abase. Now, this is a leper. And saying, I'm not willing to abase myself. Come on, but I'm asking for a people that are willing to do like Brother Stafford said this morning. Whatever he says do, that's what I'm going to do. If he says get baptized in Jesus' name, brother, I'm going to be the first one in the water. If he says receive you the Holy Ghost, I'm going to be there with my hands lifted up at the altar. I want everything God has for me. I'm not going to let pride get in my way. I'm not going to let political status get in my way I need a touch of God and I'm desperate for it I've got to have a move of God unless I die in my sins come on and clap those hands to the Lord like you really believe what I'm saying this morning say well I just want to be healed preacher I know I'm trying to tell you the fastest track to receive your miracle. 
James 5 and 16 says it like this. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much. Now, this is just on the heels of the scriptures that says, Call for the elders and let them anoint you with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they have committed any sins, it will be forgiven them. And the reason is because those that sought for a miracle of healing always came with heartfelt repentance. They were not ignorant. They were not naive. They knew that if they wanted to touch God, they'd better come with a contrite heart, with a broken spirit, and say, God, I am nothing before you. God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to wash me. You know I'm a miracle preacher. You know I'm a faith preacher. But I will tell you this, that they are all conditioned on God's promise and he said if my people then will I if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land there was always a prerequisite there was always a condition and God said if you'll meet the prerequisite I will fulfill the promise I want a healing preacher. I want a miracle in my finances. I'm telling you, it's the same process. Repent unto God. Seek him for his cleansing power and say, God, I came to set my house in order. Hallelujah. I came to set my house in order. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 say it like this. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you between you and your God and have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. Pastor, you get the call. Preacher, I need help. Can you pray? Absolutely. Absolutely. I need healing. My family's a wreck. My marriage is on the rocks. Pastor, pray. All the time, so cordially and so compassionately, we're praying for you and your family. And yet everyone that knows the word of the Lord is saying it like this and hearing it in their ears. Isaiah 59. If you want your prayers answered, you got to be right with God. Come on, if you want your prayers really answered, you got to be right with God. That's not Brother Welch, and that's not hardness, but that's the word of the Lord in Isaiah 59 and 2. It said, he will not hear you. This is the word of the Lord. I want your prayer. I don't want to pray empty prayers. I don't want to waste my energy. I'm saying, do you really want your prayers answered? Get right with God. Set your house in order. And sure enough, the miracle is going to flow in your life in a greater capacity than you've ever imagined before. God's going to turn your finances around. He's going to begin to heal your body. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes. And it's right here, I've got to tell you. 
Several years ago, I was preaching a revival, and they led a young man in his 30s in the back door. His clothing was atrocious. It looked like he had been living on the street. He hadn't had a haircut or a shave in months or a year. And they led the man down there, one person holding him under his elbow, and he grasping the pew on every aisle as he staggered down to the front. He came to the altar after the invitation. We began to pray and seek God. Friend, I would like to tell you it was just in a moment or two, but some 30 minutes later, we were still asking God to fill this man with the Holy Ghost and deliver him. And as I got closer and closer, evidently he had been living on the street and the smell was so obnoxious that I could hardly stand close to him as I laid my hand on him to pray for his deliverance. As a matter of fact, it was so bad that I remember going back to the hotel that night and all night long just feeling very nauseous, very sick because I could not get rid of that lingering smell. It was addiction with many body odors and it was just something that I'll never forget. Finally, we took him up to the baptistry and we baptized this young man. I said, Pastor, what's wrong with this man? He said, well, he's blind. He's almost totally blind. His family goes to this church, and they brought him to the revival tonight. He's addicted to drugs. He's living on the street. He, he just, his life is a wreck. And after he got baptized, in a few moments, he received the Holy Ghost in the baptistry. We rejoiced and we celebrated. Hallelujah. I got to go back a few months later and I saw a young man on the pew. I really didn't even recognize him. I said, Pastor, who is that? He said, that's the man that we baptized that night and who received the Holy Ghost a few months ago. Cleaned up, had put a suit on. Didn't even recognize him sitting beside his mother and dad, and they were so thankful. He came to me after service. He said, I'm doing much better. And he said, believe it or not, God's began to heal my vision. He said, he said, I can see twice as good as I could before. I was almost blind, but at least half of my vision has come back. <laughs> Praise God. That's right. He's a healer. This is a church that I went to frequently. I went back a month or so later, and he was shouting in the aisle, and I said, Pastor, what's going on? He said, God totally gave him his vision back. Now he has 20-20 vision. God restored his vision. God filled him with the Holy Ghost, delivered him from drug addiction, and healed. Come on, God still heals the blind people. They're still being healed. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. 
I kept going back to that church. And now his teenage children were sitting with him. I prayed both of them through to the Holy Ghost. Not long after that, God began to put his life together, took him off of the street, healed his body, delivered him of addiction. Come on, when you begin to set your house in order, God's going to begin to heal you. God gave him a new job. People in the community began to respect him. Again, come on now. The devil is a liar. You set your house in order and you expect God to turn it around. Come on, things will get better for you, but it's going to start at the altar. It's going to start with repentance. It's going to start with speaking in other tongues. Come on, the miracle does not come until you set your house in order. Come on, Hezekiah, you want a word from God? Hear it. Hear it. Set your house in order. Get things right with God. Come on now. He will not even hear your prayers until you repent to God. Come on, that's right. Oh, Say, well, I'm just going to call the preacher. He's going to clean everything up for me. I'm just going to call my mother. She's going to clean up my tracks behind me. Come on now. Sadly, there's too many grown people that still have to call for mom and daddy. Say, come on and clean up everything. You know what? They might can help, but you know what? You're going to have to turn your face to the wall. You're going to have to weep sorely to God, and you're going to have to say, I made this mess, and I'm going to have to... Come on, there's something called personal responsibility. And God is saying to you, take responsibility. Hey, none of us are perfect and nobody's throwing off on you. But they are saying this, you're not going to get better until you acknowledge that you made some mistakes and that you need God's help. Come on now, take responsibility for Stop blaming the culture. Stop blaming the society. Stop blaming temptation. If you want to live for God, you can do it. If you want to serve God, you can do it. God's going to help you. Pastor's going to help you. Mom and daddy are going to help you. And you're going to have hundreds of friends here who support you. But you have got to set your house in order. Matthew 12, Matthew 12 said it like this. When an unclean spirit goes out of a house, it walks through dry and arid places looking for another place to dwell. And when it cannot find another place to live, when a bad spirit leaves you, it looks for somewhere else to live. When it cannot find somewhere, it comes back to the house that it left. And even if it has been swept and cleaned, it will come back and abide. And the Bible goes on to say, it will invite seven other spirits worse than itself. And it will take up an abode in your life again. Hear what I'm saying. It's not enough just to clean up. It's not enough just to straighten up. You've got to have something that inhabits that territory of your life. And for lack of a better illustration, I'll say it like this. It's like many of these very strong, very strong smelling candles. And you light that candle in your home. And that fragrance is so rich and so thick in that home. 
I'm trying to explain to you about the presence of the Lord. And symbolically, we can see it's not enough just to clean up. It's not enough to straighten up. There has to be an aroma that fills that place. And that is the Spirit of God in your life. Friend, I want to tell you, I, I've been around some people that, that have enough fragrance and things in their home that it, it saturates the fabric of the furniture. Come on, it, it, it soaks into the pores of the walls. And that's the kind of fragrance. I'm, I'm talking about the Spirit of God that's so beautiful and so precious in your life. It's not enough to make things look good. You've got to have the presence of God dwelling in your life. Oh, hallelujah. You've got to set some things in order. It's got to smell right. It's got to be right. It's got to feel right. I'm talking about the presence of God in your life. Say, well, I've got on a suit. My hair is fixed. Nobody knows. Hey, God knows and he sees the cesspool that's in your spirit. He's saying, set it in order. Get it right. Get it right with the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Set your house in order. I've heard it. It's such a beautiful story. But I rehearse it again here because it's so poignant to what I'm trying to say. Many years ago, an article came out in the newspaper. A little six-year-old boy that was diagnosed with cancer did not know he was diagnosed, but said to his parents, I would like to meet the President of the United States. A journalist got a hold of that, put it on the front page of the local paper with a picture of a little six-year-old boy wearing cowboy boots and toy pistols with a belt, cowboy hat, said, Mr. President, this little boy would like to meet you. The people close to the president got that article and said, Mr. President, Mr. Eisenhower, it's not far to where that boy lives. We think it might be good if you visited this boy. He said, that's a wonderful idea. And they loaded up the presidential motorcade, the long black cars, bulletproof glass with the American flag flying from the fenders of the car. And they pulled up into a neighborhood that was not high class, a lower class neighborhood. They parked the motorcade on the street in front of the boy's home. No doubt the security first went to the door, but finally the president came to the door, said, I read the article in the paper, and I would like to visit that little boy. And the little boy stepped out from behind the legs of his dad and a smile on his face to see that the president had visited his home. They visited for a few moments. The president hugged him and had to go on about his urgent business. But that was the day the president visited 
the home of an unsuspecting little boy. The local journalist came back to the boy's house and talked to the father and said, Sir, we would like to see how you felt when the president came to your house. That must have been the greatest day of your life. He said, well, it was very nice. But he, he said, you see, I really wasn't expecting him to come. If I had known he was coming, I would have made an extra effort to make sure that everything was perfect. You see, I was taking it easy that day and just had on blue jeans and a t-shirt. I hadn't fixed myself up at all. I hadn't made an effort with the house. Maybe he had to step over the toys in the living room. But he said, I'd always imagined meeting the president, thought about getting dressed up in a nice suit, putting on a tie, greeting him with the appropriate words. But when he knocked on our door unexpectedly, really I cringe of being embarrassed that day that everything wasn't the way I wanted it. We are happy he came, but we were taken back. And friend, I tell you this morning, the Lord of all glory is coming to your house. He's knocking on your door. It's not a realtor. It's not someone looking at purchasing your home. It's not something you can push in the closet. It's not something you can hide. But friend, when he shows up, I'm going to tell you. You might have thought it would be a day of rejoicing, but it could be a day of sorrow. And friend, I'm praying today that you set your house in order. You see the Lord coming. You see the day approaching. Come on, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal it in a book, even to the time of the end, for many shall run to and fro, and knowledge will be increased. We live in the day of exceeding knowledge. Recently I read the Industrial Revolution and the rise of science. New discoveries grew at enormous rates. For example, in the 1550s, there were only 500 known species of plants in the world. By the year 1623, the number had increased to 6,000 species. Today, we know of over 9,000 species of grass alone. 2,700 types of palm trees, over 500,000 different species of plants, and the number keeps growing. The increase of scientific information alone is staggering. Just 300 years ago, someone with a college degree in science knew about as much as any expert in that field. 
But today, even someone with a Ph.D. in biology can't even know all that there is to know about the nervous system of a squid. Information overload is the theme of this generation. They say that knowledge only would double every 100 years up until the 1900s, but now we live in the day of Internet and endless gadgets and devices, people uploading all, not wisdom alone, but knowledge, the sheer bulk knowledge, words uploaded onto the Internet, they say doubles every 13 months at this point. The fulfillment of Daniel 12 is so staggering, and yet I see people living their lives in such a wreck. I wonder, can't you see the day of the Lord approaching? I wonder, don't you see the prophecies fulfilling? I wonder, is there not an urgency down in your spirit? I petitioned the Lord, and I wondered, oh God, am I really, am I, am I really too extreme in my appeal? And I felt an unction from God telling me you have not even scratched the surface of what you need to do to make sure that another soul does not fall in to the pits of hell I wondered oh God do I make it too emotional God am I God is my voice too loud he said if you have to shout it from the rooftop you make sure that everybody that hears you knows that they've got to set their house in order come on now stop deceiving yourself stop playing games with God if you really want your prayers answered you'd be at the altar crying out to God come on as you see the day approaching make sure that you're right with the Lord come on and set your house in order come on young man stop playing with the world come on now stop recently I opened this recently I opened the door of a storage unit where we had some household goods and the smell inside that unit was so atrocious A wild animal had somehow been able to invade that storage unit and had perished on the floor. The body had began to rot, disintegrate right on the floor. And friend, I want to tell you, it was a smell that would enrage the nostrils of any individual. And yet I fear that sometimes we live our lives with dead carcasses on the inside of us. It's not the suit, it's not the hairstyle, but I'm saying set your house in order. Get rid of the dead things. Cast it out. Move those spirits out and say, I've got to have the fragrance of God dwelling in my vessel. I've got to have the power of God living inside me. Come on now and stand with me right now. Come on now and stand with me right now. Before we start any music, I want to ask you this. Straightforward. Matter of fact, I don't want to put it in a question form, but I want to say it as the oracle of God. 
come to the altar and set your house in order. Sometimes you just need somebody to give you instruction. Come to the altar and set your house in order. Not one of you, not some of you, all of you. I'm asking you, 100%. If you're in the balcony, please make your way down. I'm asking I'm praying. I'm speaking right now. All of us, come on and set your house in order right now. Come on. This is the benefit of the church. This is the place uh, that we can make sure everything is right with God. Uh, come on now. People will receive the Holy Ghost uh, at the altar. Make, take somebody by the hand and say, come on. This is the command of God. Go to the altar this morning uh, and set your house in order. Uh, come on right now. Right now. Right now. Everybody under the sound of my voice, uh, make your way to the altar right now, right now. Move up forward. Come on and press your way forward right now. Come on and make room. They're coming from the balcony, from the back. Come to the altar and set your house in order right now. Come on now. Come on now and get things right with God. Come on now and talk to the Lord. Come on. The King of glory has spoken to your heart. Come on and get your heart right with God. Come on and hear the voice of the Lord. Come on and touch God right now. If you're still in the pew, I'm asking you directly. Make your way, if you're able at all, make your way to the altar right now. Come on, not out the back door, but make your way to the altar. If you love God, come to the altar right now, right now, right now. hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.